What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all, as always. Got a big show on deck for you with some news coming out yesterday. We have schedules that have been released. And my fall top 10 will also be uh, released. Talk about that at the end of the show uh, by popular demand. So we'll be releasing that. Thought it'd be a good week to do with... uh, Scrimmages coming up this weekend. Things really getting underway in terms of competition dates in the fall uh, this week and and through the rest of October. Let's get into the news, the latest news of the day, though, which came out yesterday where Tommy Burke, uh, Dan Arrestia, folks reporting, Tom, folks reporting, Tommy Burke, the faceoff man of Vermont, will be heading to Ohio State for his fifth and final season of college across in 2024. So Tommy Burke will play for the Catamounts this season as a senior. Should be another good one there in Burlington. Will then uh, head to Columbus for a fifth season, uh, 23-24 year. So this time next year, Tommy Burke will be a member of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And one of the best faceoff men in the country, a two-time all-conference selection, a unanimous All-American honorable mention uh, across the board last season. He went 61% at the dot, 269 wins last spring. Uh, should be another big one for him here in 2023 with the Catamounts. And this is a big addition for Ohio State as you look forward towards 24 because – Justin Anasio is gone this year. Drew Blanchard is now stepping up. The Hobart transfer who came in last year with two years left. He's stepping up now as a fifth-year guy, as somebody who is going to be the next man up there in Columbus this season. After him, you know, with Burke coming in, looks like Burke is going to be the next guy and a pretty good one at that. So the pipeline, face-off pipeline at Ohio State stays pretty strong with the addition of Tommy Burke. Uh, so you're going from Anasio to Blanchard to Burke now there in Columbus. Some other big news that we've had over the past couple of weeks is schedule season, schedule season. We just talked about 24. We'll talk about that for a while, ever again, maybe until the end of the season. But we will talk about 2023 for sure as the 2023 schedules continue to give release for teams. We have four who have released their schedules thus far. VMI, St. Bonaventure, Jacksonville, and Utah went over VMI's schedule a little bit back on the podcast a few, uh, about a month back when they released theirs. So we'll be going over St. Bonaventure, Jacksonville, and Utah today. Utah's schedule actually just dropped last night. Uh, so uh, fresh I guess not hot off the off the press anymore, but still steaming. Uh, the Utah schedule is after getting released last night. Let's go in here and look at the uh, schedule here. And, and but by the way, doing this show on, on YouTube now, so we'll be putting up the podcast on the YouTube channel. So like, subscribe, do all those good things. Subscribe to the podcast on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Lacrosse Bucket 
podcast. Share this screen here. So uh, again, it, it, this is on YouTube now, so you can see the uh, the screen here. And uh, as a good visual for y'all, I'll share these uh, these schedules here with y'all. Again, WorldClassBucket.com will have uh, schedule breakdowns of every single team as they release their schedules. St. Bonaventure. They open the season on the road, not too far from where I'm sitting, as they play the Bellarmine Knights. They'll come to Louisville, Kentucky this season. The Bonnies will to open the year. They then ha- head to uh, uh, have their home opener against Binghamton. They head to Robert Morris, and then they have another home game against VMI, and that is their February schedule. As you can see, they're ending on February 25th. They open the month of March on the road at UMBC, then they're home for Cleveland State. Now, this is the stretch of the season, non-conference-wise, that I'm very interested in for this Bonnie's program. From March, you can see my mouse here, March 14th through March 25th. This month of March here is big non-conference-wise for the Bonnies. You're at Canisius. That's the Randy Mullins Bowl. The games between those two teams have been uh, really good over the past couple of seasons. Randy Mullins, obviously, the head coach at Canisius for uh, quite some time before he jumped over to start the program or restart the program. Uh, they're at St. Bonaventure. They've done a tremendous job thus far making the MAC season, uh, postseason last year, uh, get, getting that number one seed, winning the MAC uh, in the regular season. Obviously, failing to get to the NCAA tournament uh, this year, heading into the Atlantic 10. We'll see how that can continue, how this Bonnie's team can continue to push forward, continue to progress. Uh, do have a number of areas where uh, they need to find replacements in. So you, you go to Canisius on March 14th, then you're at Syracuse in the Dome. That is a hostile environment. That is going to be a tough, tough game there for the Bonnies. Then you're at Marquette, so you've got to travel to Milwaukee uh, there on the 25th. And let me check my calendar here real quick. I believe that this schedule, if I'm not mistaken, these are two week games. Yes, so the Syracuse game is on a Tuesday, and that Marquette game is on a uh, Saturday. So you will have a Tuesday game against Marquette, excuse me, a Tuesday game against Syracuse, and then travel to Milwaukee to play Marquette. Uh, that's a heck of a travel week there for the Bonnies. We'll see how they do there. You get into, and like I said, that stretch of the season, very intrigued as to what that's going to be for the Bonnies non-conference-wise. Now, when you look at the conference play here, you open the season on the road at Hobart. Okay, that, that's your conference opener in the Atlantic 10. They then host St. Joseph's. At UMass, at home against High Point, and you end the season on the road at Richmond. St. Joseph's and Richmond, from my point of view, are the top two teams in the Atlantic 10 right now, looking at it from this, from here sitting in October. And St. Joseph's brings back practically everybody from a team that almost beat Yale in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Richmond, they do lose some pieces, especially on defense lose some top offensive guys, but this is a Richmond program that's been pretty consistent. 
I expect that consistency to remain. They still have Zach McGue, uh and some of those guys back. They get Trent Granger, the uh, face-off man from St. Bonaventure, to transfer in. And that's a good one-two punch there with uh, Jared Chinoy and Trent Granger there at Richmond. Uh, probably the best face-off duo, I should add, duo in the A-10. Zach Cole, the St. St. Joseph's face-off man, the best in the country. So for this A-10 schedule, I've circled a couple of dates here. April 1st at your opener. And the second to last game of the season, the April 22nd. I think those two games for St. Bonaventure, if you want to make the postseason, you're going to have to win one of one or one or both of those games. Um, Hobart and High Point, I would assume, all right now, um, you know, going to be fighting for that fourth spot along with UMass uh, for the a 10 spot. I, I see St. Joseph's, I see Richmond, and then underneath that, I see UMass, your Hobart, your High Point, and the bodies being there at the last, uh, there with some of the pieces they have to replace. So, Hobart, High Point, I see those two most important games for St. Bonaventure here in the 2023 season. Now, let's move to the Atlantic Sun, we move from the Atlantic 10 to the Atlantic Sun, where the Jacksonville Dolphins released their schedule back on October 3rd, and uh, just beginning of this week on Monday, and this is a Dolphins schedule that uh, I took a look at this, I take a double take, and I just smiled. Um, so the Atlantic Sun schedule, we've known about for quite some time, they've released it back in uh, I want to say uh, when they released this. They released this back in July. I believe it was June or July. July, July, late July they released it. Um, I like how they did that. Fantastic. Ted Gumper, the uh, athletic director, uh, commissioner, the, the A-Sun, done a fantastic job with the class and uh, love seeing the schedules released in July. Uh, conference schedules, you already got those settled pretty much. Uh, for years on end, depending on the league. This Jacksonville schedule is really, really fun. So remember last year, Jacksonville, they were known for the win over Duke, the win over Denver, it'd be High Point and Richmond in SoCon play. They fell in the SoCon title game. They also opened the season at, at Johns Hopkins at Homewood, almost beat the Boy Jays. Good defensive battle for Hopkins to start the season there. Jacksonville, they welcome in Johns Hopkins to the Rock on February 4th. Very smart of, of Hopkins to be going to Florida in February. Much better than Baltimore during that time of year. This is going to be a big game. This is a big game. And also what's a big game is the next week. So you have Saturday, February 4th, home against Johns Hopkins. Then you go Friday, February 10th, at home against the Duke Blue Devils. Those two games are huge. Back-to-back weeks against Blue Blood programs. Hopkins, we'll see what they look like. Duke, I expect them to be, talk about Duke here in a second. 
expect them to be a top 10 team once again, a championship weekend contender, obviously. Big, big way to start the season for, for Jacksonville. You then go at you at home against Marist, and then you on the road in North Carolina to play High Point, but not at High Point. You play them in Charlotte at the Crown Lacrosse Classic. Um, Duke, Hopkins, High Point, the three big non-conference games to circle with this Jacksonville program. As far as the A-Sun is concerned, as far as the A-Sun is concerned, Jacksonville is the top dog. Jacksonville is the favorite. That's not going to change. And my mind will not change on that as we reach the season, even throughout the season. We'll see how things end up. But Jacksonville is born on the best team in the A-Sun right now. Dylan Watson in there, Max Walbaum back. They've got a bunch of dudes back on defense. This is a team that and, – and, and defense that was one of the top ten, you know, in goals allowed last season. This is a defense that was very stellar. Uh, Chris Pozanski, the defense coordinator, has done a phenomenal job there. Uh, the offense was pretty fantastic last season. As well, they returned like 200-something points back on offense just with the attack unit alone. Uh, when you add in the transfer of Dylan Watson. Um, Robert Morris, you open conference play at Robert Morris. It is the A-Sun champion versus the presumed or favorite A-Sun champion in 2023. That's going to be a battle. Jacksonville wanting to get that win. That's going to be an important win there for the Dolphins and the Colonials alike. Big, big contest there between those two on March 18th to start a Sun play. Jacksonville uh, then is at home against Mosa. They're on the road at Cleveland State. And after Cleveland State, you go April 1st at Utah. At Utah. This is a game last year that was a 16-10 Utah win. These are what I would say the top two rosters in the Atlantic Sun. I think this could very well be a a-Sun Championship game preview. This is going to be a fun battle. The battles between these two have been fun before. Now they're conference opponents. Let's see how this one rocks. I'm very, very excited for this battle. April 1st at Utah, Jacksonville, Utah, in Salt Lake City, the southernmost Division One program versus the westernmost Division One program. That is going to be a fun one. Jacksonville will then be... At home against Queens, at home against Detroit Mosey, at Lindenwood. I know the folks at Lindenwood are very, very excited about that meeting and, and what that what that game could mean crowd-wise there um, in St. Charles, Missouri. Lindenwood, Queens, remember, moving up from Division Two this season. Jacksonville is at home against Air Force. That's another big-time game in the A-Sun, and then you – you're on the road at Bellarmine here in Louisville to end the season. A uh, very exciting season for the Jacksonville Dolphins indeed. Now moving to Utah. We, we don't have to say much about Utah, A-Sun-wise. I mean, we know. Let's go over that real quick. Uh, what are the top two games here in the A-Sun for Utah? Oh, yeah, that's right. We just talked about it. Jacksonville and Utah. But this is very interesting here. Utah is at home against Jacksonville on April 1st. And then they're on the road at Robert Morris. It's the Andrew McMinn Bowl. Andrew McMinn, the head coach at Robert Morris for a number of years, came to Utah 
uh, ahead of last season. This is a league match of the A-Sun Championship game from last year. Very excited about this matchup. Uh, could be an offensive shootout. Could be a Utah drubbing. The regular season was the latter last year. The uh, former was the A-Sun title game. So who knows what we'll get with between these two teams. I think Utah's the better roster. But again, uh, a, a, a heck of a weekend back-to-back. And I'll say this, Utah, I don't know, like, did the A-Sun flip a coin and say, hey, Utah gets the, gets the, gets the uh, you know, one end of the stick? Um, you got, you got Air Force, which is a good team there. And then you are at home against Jacksonville, and then you're at Robert Morris. You play the other three top teams in your league, back-to-back-to-back, that's a tough stretch for Utah, and that's just the stretch for me that I'm really circling when you look at uh, the A-Sun play here for the Utes. I think they're they're much better than everybody, just like Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville and Utah are much better than everybody else in this league. Um, They should – I don't want to say they'll breeze through it because there were some slip-ups last year. Uh, They weren't undefeated, but there were some slip-ups, some close games. Um, But – should be a decent season here for Utah. Once again, should be able to take care of business in the A-Sun, uh, Utah, Jacksonville, RMU, Air Force, my top four teams in this league at the moment. Now, looking at Utah's schedule as a whole, they start the year at Denver. And this is a game I have written here. was a one-goal game in 2021, 8-9, to nine, uh, or 9-8, to I should say, Denver, uh, Denver win, and then I believe it was uh, twelve to eleven or something like that this year as well, this past season as well. So this is a game that Utah has come very, very close to winning in recent years. They've beaten Air Force, who is the other Western power out out west. If they, they beat Bill Tierney in Denver, I, I really think you can say this program has arrived. Um, and granted, Denver hasn't been the best. You know, ha- they've not been 2015 level since 2015. They've been very good um, last year. Notwithstanding, Denver really wasn't that a fan, not phenomenal team. I think we should see. You know, I'm kind of the jury's out on what to expect of Denver this year. It's Bill Tooney, still a great coach, one of the best of all time. Uh, they got a good roster. We'll see how this one goes, but Utah, Denver, very excited. Uh, that first weekend of College of Cross will be February 4th, and uh, that's a, a heck of a battle that we're going to have all, on our hands out west once again. They are then uh, at home against Marquette. The Utes beat that Marquette team last year. Uh, then you're also at home versus Vermont. Utah is the westernmost Division One program. They will have the northernmost program, and the southernmost program come to their front door next season. Uh, Utah went to Burlington last year and played Vermont in one of the better uh, mid-major matchups of the season. They got a win over the Catamounts, and uh, this was a game that last year was very, very good, a hard-fought battle between these two teams, part of Vermont's slower start than many expected Uh for the Catamounts, I wholly expect this team, this game to be uh, a good battle once again between these two, uh, Utah, Vermont. 
Now, the interesting thing about this schedule, so you look at you got Denver, you got Marquette on there, you got Vermont. Okay, very normal, pretty much in line with, with, with what you had last year. Before you start conference play, you go at Hopkins, at Rutgers. Rutgers, we'll talk about here in a minute. They got a lot of transfers in there. They return Ross Scott, Shane Knobloch. They, you know, we'll see who starts in cage. Um, a lot of guys back for this Rutgers team, but a lot of holes. Point being, this is still a top 10, top 15 Rutgers team. This is going to be a battle. This is going to be a big game. Could be a statement win for Utah if they get that. Um, Johns Hopkins. Again, we don't – I'm kind of out on what Hopkins is going to be at the moment. I think they can be good. We'll see how things go. Uh, but at Homewood, at Rutgers, back-to-back, uh, before A-Sun play, that's a pretty good schedule. That's a pretty good stretch there uh, for Utah, no matter what those programs are. That Those are Big Ten teams. Hopkins is a blue blood. Uh, Rutgers just is coming off a Final Four run, so uh, very – Notable road games there for the Utes in 2023. All right. Time to move on to Tanner's top 10. Have had a lot of requests for this. Who's your top 10 in the fall? When are you going to put out a way too early top 10? Finally, we have shown it here tonight on the Lacrosse Bucket podcast. Tanner's top 10. Here we go. And let me real quick pull this up for y'all to give y'all a good visual. Again, on the YouTube channel now, like, subscribe. Also do so on the podcast, as y'all have been doing uh, since we began. So here is my, let's see. How do I get this on you? Ah. There we go. Okay, so let's go get give you a little visual here. Tanner's top 10. I uh, hope you all can see that pretty well. Um, I tried to enlarge it as much as I could, so y'all could see it. Ah, dang it. Okay, there we go. That's enlarged. Is that enlarged enough? All right, so uh, my top 10, and, and I have this transfer portal thing up here as well, just to give you all a little visual for some of the teams that we're, we're going to mention. Um, and I didn't like, I don't have every single little tidbit about every team written down on these notes, but uh, have ha, have enough needed. So the Maryland Terrapins, um undefeated national champions, one of the best teams of all time. Logan Wisnowskis wins the Twilerton. A year after Jared Bernhardt does so, current Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, Jared Bernhardt, that is. This team loses a, a good chunk of talent. They lose Roman Puglisi. They lose Bubba Fairman at the faceoff, uh, excuse me, at the uh, defensive midfield spot. They lose Wisnowskis. They lose Keegan Kahn. They lose Jonathan Donville. This is a team that loses a lot. Um, 
from last season. Now, some of the top lieutenants, Ajax Apatello, Brad Maycall, Luke Wheelman, William McNaney, on defense and at the faceoff dot. Kyle Wong, um, Eric Marvel on offense. This is a team that has a lot of question marks in, in terms of what can they do, how good are they going to be. Um, now, I will add, there was a lot of question marks heading into last year as well. Um, I don't exactly know what the ceiling for Maryland is. But I do know that John Tillman often leads his team to championship weekends. I do know that Maryland typically reloads better than any other program in college across. They are the Alabama football of college across. Or Georgia, you could you, you could call Maryland, Alabama, Virginia, Georgia, whatever. I, I, I'm good with that. Um, but Maryland still, I mean, this is John Tillman we're talking about. This is the Maryland Terrapins. This is Maryland. Because this is the team that has made championship weekend like almost every year for the past seven or so years. I mean, this is a, this is a full seasons, I should say. This is a, 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 a program that has done nothing but be successful. This is the most successful program of the last decade and of, as we saw the 2020s of this decade. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard not to argue for Maryland number one. Now, are they going to end there? I don't know. Uh, you know, are they going to be the national champions again? I don't know. They certainly could. I wouldn't bet against them. I mean, if you're asking me, Maryland or some other team, um, who has the best shot of making championship weekend, I'm going to take Maryland 10 times out of 10, twice on Sunday. I mean, this is a this is a team that – a program that consistently wins. I don't know how you can't put them number one after the season they had, even with all the people that they lost. Um, so, I mean, this is just a, a good program all around, a great coach in John Tillman. Um, they, they got both bone hearts there as the, the, the defensive and offensive coordinators now. We'll see how things go, but uh, I like Maryland uh, uh, again uh, this season. Now, this season, I will say, is more wide open. And uh, a lot of these picks here that I have for my fall top 10, I got no clue if these teams are actually going to be there when all is said and done. Uh, there's a lot of question marks here. I think this year is pretty wide open. Uh, number two, though, is Virginia. And uh, Virginia last year, I think the only fault was not beating Maryland. Like, the only fault was they were not Maryland. Um, I think this team, they certainly they dealt with some injuries. There, Peter Lasala at the faceoff thought, but he's back. You know, you, you had the losses to Richmond, to Duke, and twice to Maryland. That's not, that's not bad. And, yes, I know the Richmond Red never lost to a team in Virginia since 1979, Washington and Lee. Yes, that's a great streak. But if you look at it, there aren't that many teams in Virginia before Richmond came in. Just saying. Virginia, VMI, Washington and Lee, they dropped from Division One quite a while ago. Um, Richmond obviously has been close, and they finally got over it, and congrats to the Spiders for doing so. Um, so, yeah, Maryland's number two, I think, clearly. Clearly, uh, Shellmiller is back, Schutz is back, Cormier is back. They get in Thomas McConvey, the transfer from Vermont at the midfield spot. I think he's going to have a phenomenal time in that offense. I think that offense is going to flourish with him in there. They've got Cole Kastner back, who's probably the best defenseman in the ACC, uh, one of the best defensemen in the college across. 
Clint Kesnick, I believe it was on the uh, broadcast, always like he's the pterodactyl with his wingspan and and with his physical attributes and can just kill you as as, as a defenseman. Uh, Cade Sostad is back as well as Matthew Nunes and Cage. We'll see how he progresses as a sophomore. Wasala, as I mentioned, I think the only two questions for this team are uh, one: I, I do want to see what the rope unit is going to do um, because they did, you know, losing Jared Connors, they didn't have maybe that like X factor guy that uh, you know consistently on a consistent basis that they did a year before uh, the years prior. So I mean, we'll see that. Defense did kind of drop off as the season went along. Um, now, granted, like they did play Maryland twice. If you remove those two games, maybe it wasn't as bad, but still the defense drop off was was noticeable. Um, not as bad as another team we'll talk about here in a second, but was not- noticeable. You know, can they get that going? Um, and then health is, I mean, Lasala was hurt for the time. They had a number of guys that, that felt that, fought through injuries last year. So Virginia Cavaliers, number two. Number three, the Cornell Big Red. Uh, CJ Coast could be a 12 candidate. I mean, he's that good, was that good as a uh, sophomore or first-year first year sophomore. Um, shame on the Ivy League for making those a thing, but uh, first-year sophomore last year for CJ Coast and had a phenomenal year leading this offense. Um He'll be back as well as Chase Owen and Cage. Gavin Adler is the best defenseman in the Ivy League. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Will Bowen fan. I'm a big Will Bowen believer. I think Chase, um, uh, Gavin Adler, excuse me, could win the Schmeiser next season. He's that good. He was that good last year. But turning him and his production and and what he can do defensively, I, I got a really good feeling uh, about Gavin Adler and about this Cornell defense, what they can do next year. Health it, slash depth, I have mentioned here in 2022. So they had some injuries last year. They had played some guys. Uh, you know, Aiden Blake was out, most notably. He midfielder for a good chunk of the season. They had a number of injuries, especially at the midfield. They had to play a lot of guys that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten that run. Uh, so they now have experience. They have championship weekend experience. They have NCAA tournament experience. They have Ivy League experience. Um, that's that's crucial. Like that's crucial. Um, now, like certainly you you want to see them stay healthy in twenty in twenty three, uh, but like they they have that depth and they showed it last year and we'll see how. The, I, I think that plays very well in the Cornell's favor in twenty twenty three. Excuse me. Face-off situation. Jack Kaskinen comes in. Last year, Angelo, Tra- Angelo Petrakis up and down. Uh, I'm very interested to see what that face-off situation looks like, if there's a change made, if they go a two, two-pronged approach or not. We have highlighted here now the Princeton Tigers. This is a team that uh, shocked me last season, I'll say. Um they lost Michael Sowers, lost some other pieces. Uh, M- M- McCarthy lost some other guys on that offense. I was kind of questioning, like, okay, what exactly to expect from this Princeton team? You, you knew they could be good, um, but how good? Well, <laughs> championship weekend good. 
uh, is the question. This is a team that um, look they 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 lose George Bond on defense, the the top defender. That's huge. They lose uh, Peters and Cage. That's huge. Eric Peters uh, in goal. That's huge. Um, and they, they lose Chris Brown, who was their, you know, he, he, he really converted to their quarterbacking attackman last season. Uh, let's get this here. There's lighting here. We got the sun coming in at an angle here right now, uh, this time of day. Um, back to Princeton. The, 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 this team was showed depth. This team showed talent all over. Uh, Colton McAsee, Alex Slusher, Christian Rondo, and Sam English all back. This is an offense that is going to be pretty dang good once again. This is a defense that, if you remember, they were running dudes in and out um, like clockwork in that NCAA tournament game against Boston U. They adjusted that defense from the Cornell loss to the Boston U game uh, there. And this team, they missed <laughs> they freaking missed the Ivy League tournament, made the NCAA tournament, and made the made championship weekend. That I don't know if you told someone that this time last year, hey, Princeton is going to miss the Ivy League tournament, make the NCAA tournament, and make championship weekend. I do not think they would have believed you. I certainly would not have believed you. This team showed a lot last year. They returned a lot. I, I, I'm high. On, I'm, I'm, I am super, super high on Princeton. They've got a ton of bodies. They've got a ton of depth at the midfield on defense. Big, big fan of this team. Another team that I've been a big fan of for a number of years now is Georgetown. Kevin Warren, what they've developed there, the best program, the best team in the Big East by far. Talk to Dordovic. And, and, and here's where I wanted to show this right here with, with Georgetown. So, I mean, you lose Dylan Watson. You lose Gibson Smith. You lose Zach Geddes, the, the, the rope unit is a question of how deep they are there and, and how they can how well they can replace those guys. Um, and you also lose Owen McElroy and Cage. Daniel Hinks comes in from Dartmouth. I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but I know it's going to be him and Michael Schraffenberger to battle for that starting, starting spot. Two pretty good players right there. Offensively, you get Tucker Dordovic from Syracuse. You get Brian Minicus, Jacob Kelly, and Nikki Solomon. You get all those guys in. And, uh, I mean, this is going to be an offense that's going to have a lot of talent. You have TJ Haley and Glenn Bundy Jr. are back as well. Um, you know, a lot of talent here on this team. And the faceoff situation – is continues to be pretty good there as well. I, you know, I, I think the the thing about about this program last year, they did not live up. They they did not live up to expectations. For like, they had some of those good wins. Um, they took care of business in conference. They lose to Delaware, and there was some shortfalls that this team hit last year. I think they can overcome those this year, even with some of the pieces they lose. Um, and still, this is a top five team in my mind uh, on paper for sure. Uh, I, I know Gibson Smith's a big loss, but I, I, I have confidence with that defensive depth, Will Tomovich, those guys there. Another team with defensive issues or defensive questions, Notre Dame. 
This was a team I went back and forth with Yale, Notre Dame of and so like these three right here, Princeton, Georgetown, Notre Dame, and Yale. Or four, I should say. These four. I, I very much kind of went back and forth on where I should put them in this ranking. And I ended up with Notre Dame at six. I, I, I've had them at five here. On this paper, I literally have six scratched out, four scratched out, five. I, I really, and same thing with Princeton. I, 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 I had trouble knowing where to put this team. I even considered dropping them out of the top 10 and putting them down here with some of these other, other considered, uh, I would call it. Um, but look, you get Chris Conlon in and fake in on defense. You've got to replace a defense that loses Alden Cohen as well as Jason Reynolds. Uh, your top two defensemen from last year, Jason Reynolds being the transfer in from Richmond. And this is a defense that saw a uh, number of injuries last year, and they showed they have guys that can step up. Jose Boyer, Ross Bergmaster, some other guys that provide depth there at pole as well. I, it's Notre Dame. Jerry Bowden's fingerprints are still all over that program, even though he's at Harvard now. Um, the defense, I'm still like with no, and until Notre Dame proves me otherwise, I have to be confident in the Notre Dame defense because of what they've shown over the years and the consistency they've shown over the years at that position. I have to be confident. The Kavanaugh's are back on offense. Patton and Chris Kavanaugh, leaders of that offense. Brett Dobson, really good midfielder there as well. I think the midfield depth and maybe the midfield scoring is where I can see them improving the most offensively. Um, now, Jake Taylor for his ACL. And this was a big reason why I, I, I considered dropping Notre Dame out of the top 10. How good, and we saw how this team struggled and kind of the, the offense was trying to, you know, put pieces together early in the season. And eventually they, they clicked and like the snub from the NCAA tournament, I'm not here to debate that, but that, you know, it was talked about, right? I, you know, what is this team going to be able to do offensively without Jake Taylor? He was the top lefty attackman, and once his emergence really helped this offense flourish. He's gone. Um, now, you got in a good, solid freshman class. I, you know, We'll see if any of those guys can step up and, and be there. Liam Intamin and Cage um, as well. I think this is a Notre Dame team that is uh, pretty good. I think they will championship – Championship tournament quality last year should be championship weekend quality again this year, like they always are. Um, yeah, so the Irish have at number six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have the Yale Bulldogs, the Duke Blue Devils, the Penn Quakers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So, um, Yale, Matt Brandau, Chris Lyons. This offense, Leo Johnson, amazing last year. One of the best offenses in college across. Leo John, uh, uh, Chris Lyons, emergence throughout like the middle of the season. This team really flourished offensively. Defensively, oh man, this was a uh, defense that really, I mean, look, um, I went back and I watched some Yale games a few weeks ago and um, was really reminded of how much that defense dropped off. 
And look, I think Michael Alexander, what he showed in the U.S. Uh, U21 tournament uh, over the summer, I'm excited for what he brings back to this Yale defense. And, and if he can help make things better, that defense just did not look like they, they needed to. Um, I, I really think this is a defense that has to step up. And you, I mean, Brian Tevlin also heads to Notre Dame, who was your um, like top two A midi. We'll see how Yale does in twenty twenty three defensively, um, but uh, the defense needs needs some work. The offense, I'm a big fan. Of. I'm a big fan of the offense. I think the faceoff situation should crystallize. You know, you saw a number of different guys uh, be there last year. Nicholas Ramsey eventually emerging as the guy, but. Uh, James Ball also played pretty well against St. Joseph's, I should add. But I think the face-off situation should crystallize. Um, I think the offense should continue to be as good as they have been. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is – we'll see how things go. Uh, Duke, 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 Duke. Can they live up to expectations? Can they live up to expectations? That's been the question the past couple of seasons. And Brennan O'Neill – Andrew McAdoy, this offense has been pretty dang good. Um, you lose Nakai Montgomery. You lose all your, you know, fifth-year guys back. Joe Rob- you lose a lot of guys. Uh, Joe Robertson, you know, I think this is a Duke team that can make championship weekend if they play to the best of their ability. But for me, and a lot of it's on defense – I, I think the offense, and we'll, we'll move here to the transfer side right here. So just one, here's Notre Dame, who they get in via transfer. Cohen, fake, Tevlin Simmons. We'll talk about Rutgers here in a second. Duke, Tommy Schelling, Jamie Zuzai, Wilhelm. You got a question mark and goal with, with Mike Adler graduating. I think the offense should be pretty good with, with O'Neal, McAdoy, and those guys. And they have talent everywhere, up and down that roster. Um, the face-off situation with Naso, I, I, don't, I don't think that's moving at all. And Jamie Zuzai, you get – it's a good one-two punch, a solid backup there coming in there. Tommy Schelling inserting into that offense can be a kind of ex-attackman. Uh, Dyson Williams also back as well, too. So, you know, I, I just want to see – like for me, I just want to see does Duke put it together like we've seen them do in past years? Does does Duke put it together and can they make that run that they have been unable to in recent years? Can they do it? That's that's my question for Duke. I, this is a top ten team for sure. Can they do it? Ten. Oh, and, and by the way, with Duke, y- y'all's defense needs some work. Can you blab with those guys? Step it up. Um, 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I, I probably, I, I, I thought about putting 10 higher, but ultimately decided at number nine. The quarterfinal team from last year, they returned Sam Hanley, a Torlton uh, finalist. They returned BJ Farrar and some other of those guys on defense. You get back Gogol as well on offense. And, uh, oh, yeah, 20 plenty of midfielders that can run both ways. Um, the face-off situation is a big question mark for this team. Uh, 
who starts in goal is a question mark for this team. But I think elsewhere, like they return a pretty sizable production uh, on both ends. Uh, really, like when you look at all these teams here, top 10, Penn returns a really good amount, uh, especially among the Ivy League teams. Penn, Yale probably return the most production, I would say. And I, I'd have to look at like a calculation of it. Uh, Princeton obviously returns a lot as well as, as Cornell. But Penn, when you really look at it, probably returns the most of them. But I would say probably is the, um, you know, of Cornell, Princeton, Yale, Penn is probably the uh, fourth of that group. So Penn, I'm still, I'm pretty high on them. I think they're going to be a good team again this year. Uh, we'll see how things roll for them. Rutgers. Ross Scott is back. By the way, as the you know, ex-attackman last year, you have Shane Knobloch back as well. Uh, this is a team that I think is still going to be pretty good. Dante Kulis, a, a freshman last year that uh, should step up. Uh, you also have, uh, what's his name, David Scrock coming back for injury. This is an offense I have a lot of belief in. Defensively, what they do is another question. And we'll move you to Rutgers on this transfer portal page here. Well, John Jones, Zach Conley, both coming in on the defensive end. Ryan Decker, Noah Daniels, John Miller, also a uh, two-way uh, player. I think well, Jones, Miller, Decker, and Daniels do a lot uh, to help this rope unit, which has been pretty good in recent years to keep that going, to keep that NASCAR offense going. Um, Kyle Mullen, Anthony Palmer, who gets the starting cage? That will be the question. Joe Newman adds another addition to the faceoff dot there where they've been improved the past couple seasons um, at the faceoff dot. So uh, Joe Newman gets another option there for them as well. We'll see how he does. And I think he has two years actually uh, left there is what uh, I understand. So that goes, I have them at number 10. Now, Ohio State, Delaware, Harvard, North Carolina, Jacksonville. Those are the other five teams that I looked at for this. Ohio State with Jack Myers back. And when you look at who they bring in, Marcus Hudgens, Bobby Van Buren, that should be a uh, pretty solid defense. That could be one of the best one-two punches in college lacrosse next season on the defensive end. Delaware. They return practically everybody from a team that went to the quarterfinals last year. You can't count them out. Uh, Matt Kilkiri's back in the cage. Owen Grant's back on defense. This is a phenomenal uh, defense again. Uh, you have got Drew Lankitis, who I think is going to be strong uh, on offense, as well as uh, what's his name? Ro uh, Robinson there as well. Uh, so, really, a, a lot of good talent. For Delaware, what the face-off situation is going to be is the big question for me. Harvard, this had, this was a young team, Sam King. They had uh, a lead in the offense. You had a bunch of freshmen on defense. Um, yeah, I think Harvard takes a step forward. Are they going to end the year as a top, as a top 15 team? I don't know, but I think they're certainly ahead of schedule. North Carolina, uh, another you know team that's gone a little transfer heavy. 
they kind of didn't seem to get things fit last season. You had a lot of defensive injuries. You had Chris Gray, obviously, on offense, the all-time leader in points in NCAA history. Um, Sean Goldsmith, Logan McGovern, Harry Welford, Griffin Gallagher out of Gettysburg, D3 guy, all coming in on offense. We'll see how this offense looks. There's a lot to place at the attack spot, especially. Um, they have – they had a really solid uh, freshman class in there last year. So we'll see how this thing goes. Um, go, uh, JT Roselli, the LSM from Marist, and Andrew Geppert, the defenseman from Brown, I think give a a, a good uh, – a, a very good veteran additions to that defense that should help that thing grow up a little more last uh, – grow up a little more than they did last season. Um, the midfield unit, remember last year you – they lost their entire midfield. Well, this year they lost their entire attack unit. We'll see how Carolina does. I think they should be able to put things together here in 2023. And then Jacksonville, we talked about them a little bit earlier. Uh, this team with Dylan Watson, with Max Walbaum, with everybody else they bring back there. Uh, this is a team that is my, the, the favorite to win the A-Sun. This is a team that can win an NCAA tournament game, I believe. Uh, given the opportunity, if they if they if they make that, and if they win the A Sun, they will certainly be going there. So, uh, Jacksonville, a team I'm really high on, a team I think uh, is going to uh, do some damage again this season. And John Galloway keeps uh, progressing and building things better and better down there in Duval County. All right, folks, that is it for today's show. A bit longer than usual uh, with the uh, fall rankings and and everything. Uh, along with that. Uh, but as always, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and don't forget to like and subscribe to the video on YouTube now. Uh, also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five-star review, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. You can connect with us on social media, at lacrossebucket, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.